0: Blog Talk Radio Morning, it's 11.30 a.m., and you know what that means. It's time to live the Word of God. Welcome to Psalm and Prayer, broadcasting live right here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Chris Mann, your tour guide for this very short journey. Last week we looked at John chapter 9, Jesus healed a blind man. We learned that without Jesus, we become blind in faith. Now Today we're looking at John chapter 10. That is an awesome chapter, because in John chapter 10, Jesus explains to us his real mission. He's not just here for Israel and the Jews, but he's here for all mankind, everywhere. And that includes you and me. We'll learn that Jesus is the only path to heaven, and we'll also learn that Jesus is our good shepherd. He watches over us while we're here on earth, and that we need to stay close to him, because he's our light. And then we also learn That Jesus is God. The Good Shepherd and his sheep. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Now this is Jesus talking from the very beginning. And he's talking to the Pharisees that he was uh, with in chapter 9. The only one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him So Jesus is trying to set up a message here telling us that he is our shepherd, our leader, and that he will guide us if we allow him the opportunity. Sheep reading was very big back then. It was often used to illustrate um, points in schooling. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Okay, so let's step into our way back machine to further understand more about what Jesus is trying to say right now. So in this time period, a sheep's tent could be a cave, it could be a shed, you know, it could be anything really. The shepherd would sleep at night in the entryway of that tent. So if you went in or out, you had to physically pass over the shepherd. The shepherd offered safety and security for the sheep, much like what Jesus does for us. But there's really more to this passage. So Jesus is explaining that he is really the only way to heaven. So let's step into our time work machine and play this out like the Gospels are happening right here, right now. I'm in Oregon. If I want to cross over into Vancouver, Washington, I have to cross the bridge. Now let's say Oregon represents... Or my sheep pen where I live. And Vancouver is heaven, is the green pasture on the other side. That's where I want to be. And in order to get there, I have to physically pass over my shepherd. I have to go over a bridge. That bridge is Jesus. Jesus is the only way into heaven. There's only one path to heaven, and that is through Jesus. There isn't a multi lane freeway where I can take In the exit and still reach my destination. It is a single lane highway with just one little bridge. And if I want to get there, I have to physically pass over Jesus. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now listen to this. Jesus is giving us one of those foreshadowing moments where the author leaves those little clues about a major plot twist in the future. You know, Jesus will die for us. That happens towards the end of the Gospels. Jesus will die. We are his sheep. So Jesus will die for us. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock, and scatters it. The man runs away because he is the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Again, Jesus is saying that he will lay down his life for us. He will die for us. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep's pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now this is very important because Christianity is not just limited to just the Jews in Israel. The death of Christ is how all people come to God. Jesus was on a worldwide mission, a mission that transcends all time because it reaches from generation to generation. Okay, so in this time period the Jews went to God through Jesus, and we still do that today. The reason my father loved me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. Now, this is one of those biggest turning points. Jesus is explaining that he will die, and then he will come back to life. What happens later in the Gospels? Well, it's the biggest event in the Bible. Jesus is crucified, and then three days later on Easter, he comes back to life. This is what we call the resurrection. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving in that. Why listen to him? So when they say demon-possessed, that's their way of saying crazy. This guy is crazy. Why are we listening to him? But others said that these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. How can a demon open the eyes of a blind man? So, if Jesus was really crazy, how can he do these miracles? Further conflict over Jesus' claims. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, it was a lot of people. And they were saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us, plainly." Messiah is a leader or a savior. So they were waiting for this leader that would save them from what they assumed was the Romans who had overtaken. These guys were asking for proof. But they ignored all of Jesus' miracles, which I think is really funny because they ignore everything that he does. But they will accept him as the Messiah if... Jesus then says, hey, I'm the Messiah. So there's a lesson there. You need to look at what people do, not so much at what they say. Jesus then answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. And if you do not believe because you are not my sheep, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jewish opponents picked up stones with stone him. So a minute ago, they wanted this guy to say, I'm the Messiah. And now they just want to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of your good works. They replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? We called them gods, to whom the word of God came. The scripture cannot be set aside. So this is a little bit confusing, so let's jump into our way back machine for a little history. Leaders and judges of Israel were called gods, little g, right? They were called this because as judges and leaders, they represented God in executing judgment. The line, I have said you are God, gods, come from Psalm 86, 6. And there's other references to this in the book of Exodus that we could possibly look at in another time. So let's continue. What about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own, sent into this world? Well, then, he accused me of blasphemy because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped the grasp. So things got a little bit heated. People were upset. Jesus had to escape this group of people, and he went back to where it all began. Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. And there he stayed. And many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man is true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. So how can someone see so many miracles and still not believe? Some of it was his arrogance. Some of it may be hatred. Both of these are things that we see today. So, if we are sheep, who are we following? And next week we'll read you John chapter 11. There we will see Jesus being man back from the dead. Now, if that's not a miracle, I'm not sure what it is.